What's going on, you guys? Welcome to another episode of Fortis Worldwide. I'm your host, Nate Roboto, and today on the podcast, I have my good friend, Brian Porchunkolo. What's going on, man? How are you? What's up, Nate? Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Um, so we are going to be discussing a bunch of different things in today's podcast. We're going to be talking about how Brian got started in the fitness industry, uh, how he helped me personally uh, develop as a trainer and really came alongside me in a time when I just started into something brand new, had no clue what I was doing. And this dude really helped me grow um, right in the beginning of my personal training career. And we're also going to be touching on some powerlifting uh, information. So a bunch of great stuff in the episode. We're going to be talking about getting started if it's your first meet. We're going to be talking about uh, what you need to get started and talking about how to find great coaches so that way you are not in it alone. Hiring a good quality coach is essential, in my opinion, to making sure you are enjoying your time as a powerlifter. Uh, before we get started, want to give a quick shout out to the sponsor of the podcast, Trash Panda Tactical. Remember, you guys, Trash Panda Tactical has the coolest bullet pens available on the market right now. If you check out their Instagram at Trash Panda Tactical or their website, TrashPandaTactical.com, they have a bunch of different colors up on the site, as well as a bunch of cool apparel, and they have their new dump tray. Dump tray is perfect for putting your keys, your wallet, your phone, whatever, once you get back home, uh, so that way you don't lose it. There's, you know, everything's not running around. It's right there sitting in the dump tray waiting for your next adventure. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into the episode, man. Thank you again, Brian, for coming on and joining us today, all the way from Chicago via Zoom. How cold is it here? It is a whopping 40 degrees right now. That's gross. It's like 79 here. 79 down here in Northwest Florida. 40 degrees. Now I know I, now I understand why you left. Yep. <laughs> um, all right, man. So thanks again, like I said, for coming on the podcast and spending some time. And let's go ahead and just start with the simple question. Um, why did you start working out? So back in the day, what drove you to start working out? And kind of how did you get started in the fitness uh, realm before you were even a trainer? Um, actually, I just just like a lot of other, a lot of other guys out there, I um, just started because I wanted to take my active background, which I was doing a lot of sports, like a lot of other kids were doing at the time. Uh, And then I just wanted to be able to take that into another outlet and also look at it at the same time. So um, I would see athletes do really crazy transformations. I'd see them perform well, and that would inspire me to want to do the same thing. So uh, it started off with how I saw MMA fighters, UFC fighters, how I saw them when they would perform, these guys were like shredded to the bone and then they could probably kill you at the same time. Yeah. So those guys are insane. I, yeah. And I, I really looked up to that and I wanted to mimic how they trained. So it started along the lines of just going to do your basic movements, two sets of this, three sets of that. It wasn't, it wasn't anything crazy. It wasn't just anything specifically designed. It was just go out there and just get your start. Um, and then I ended up getting out there, getting some work in no specific. Yeah. Just, just trying it. Yeah. Just trying it. I mean, most beginners are going to start there anyways. Right. So, uh, I had a family member of mine just come to come over one day and ask if I was working out. And this guy was really experienced with 
Olympic weightlifting back in the day. We're talking in like the the seventies, eighties. He was really experienced with that sort of thing. So he took me under his wing, and I mean, taking me under my wing, he gave me a piece of paper with three exercises on it that said, <laughs> like, "Here's the press. way. It's a piece of paper. Yeah, this is this is the key for success. This is the way." Um, it was bench press, dumbbell, low row, and then a barbell squat. And I was like, I know how to do all of these to some degree. I'm just going to keep doing those. And I thought I was going, I like, not even kidding, thought I was going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. You're like, like Arnold, here I come. And I was like, I'm about to take you out, Arnold. So, <laughs> <laughs> surprise, I did not look like him, just to let you all know. Um, Update. Uh, you did not look like Arnold? Okay, I didn't make it. <laughs> Update, I didn't make it. Update. <laughs> um, <laughs> So uh, we ended up just working out, and he gave me those exercises. I did them on a regular basis, and then once I started feeling more comfortable with that, I threw in a couple more exercises, and then that just turned into looking up my own resource through my own resources. You find like those fitness magazines at the store. Um, you go to like a supplement store. You buy your supplements. You buy your protein powder. They give you a free magazine, and I would scour every single page in that book. That's awesome. Whether the information was right or wrong. Uh, then I would t- take it into uh, bodybuilding.com or uh, those other websites at Muscle and Strength. I would throw more time into reading articles upon articles there. And then that just gave me a collective knowledge on like, what seemed to work for me and then what seemed to not work. Um, and yeah, I just, I just loved reading and absorbing a lot of the, uh, the information that came out of it. Whether some of it was completely wrong and whether some of it was absolutely right and backed by science. I just loved hearing and reading a lot of all that kind of stuff. So that's, that's awesome. what really kickstarted it. It was just, just being able to absorb everything is what kickstarted it. Right. So really in the beginning, you're just, you're absorbing information, you're putting in work, you're, you know, maybe spending time learning form. But in the beginning, I'm sure it was just like about getting out there, getting something done, accumulating those sets yeah. of reps. Um, and then, so from that, um, why did you end up deciding to become a personal trainer? So, you know, I'm sure you, it's, you know, developed a passion for fitness. Um, but what actually led you to become a personal trainer? Um, I actually kicked off working in a, a physical therapy office. So okay. you learn the basics of your mechanics, human anatomy. And I was just an absolute nerd on human anatomy. And then once I realized how, I mean, <laughs> Uh, no disrespect to the physical therapy industry. That was a little slower for me at the office that I was working at. I mean, I was working with people that were you know, 80, 90 years old, right. post-operation, like two weeks post-operation. Um, it wasn't a fast environment whatsoever, but it was along the lines of what I wanted to do. I wanted to be able to help people, but also help them with exercise. And right. um, once I realized that was a little slow, I also coincidentally started working out a lot more, I guess, seriously, for lack of a better word, started working out a little more seriously at the time. And then once I like outgrew my old home gym with this, like all of the weights that my dad had from back in like the nineties, once I outgrew that, I decided to still have those weights today. He does. There you go. He does. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're never going to go away. So um, as soon as I outgrew all of that equipment, I took it to a gym and once I ended up working at, or once I ended up working out at the gym a little more often, I started to go, well, I kind of, like, I'm getting kind of good at this because all the stuff that I started putting together, all the information and all like the 
the routines and the regiments I put together, it started to show like a, a really, a really good set of progress for me. And once right. I started to put that together, then I went, wait, I could actually help other people do this. And it's something I, I genuinely love doing. Yeah, that's so awesome. that's where I found my niche, where I found that faster paced environment or the high, I guess, more intense environment, so to speak. And uh, that's when I started to realize I could probably make a living out of this. And then that same gym that I started working out at was the same gym that I uh, ended up working at as, as a personal trainer, yes. which is where I met Nate. Yes, I came in uh, fresh off the NASM certification uh, pipe one there, and I was like, zero clue what I was doing. And luckily, like one of the first people that I met was Brian at uh, Cardinal Fitness in Wheaton. And like I said in previous episodes, uh, this dude is probably one of the most influential people uh, for me personally, for my like training career. Is just a really I was really fortunate to meet him, and he was like my coworker because there's a lot of like shady people in the personal training industry. And luckily Brian is not one of them. And he was the first person that kind of, you know, I met and we became good friends and we worked for years together at Cardinal and we'd be, you know, we were the busiest trainers there for literally like years. Uh, We ran that joint. (laughs) Yeah, we ran that thing. We were, we were there earlier than everybody. We were there. You know, I was there sometimes till like 10 o'clock at night. We'd like work out afterwards uh, oh yeah we'd finish up clients you know get our workouts in uh it was a good time there and you know that was for me that was a good time to grow and start out as a trainer and then also it was a good time for me to learn like bringing some intensity to the training uh before i was just kind of like messing around with just like body weight stuff i remember i saw a dude yeah. doing muscle up and i'm like i'm gonna do that because i was skinny and i was like i could do this <laughs> and then you know I I, you're like let me do 20 of these exactly i did that and then i was like uh eh. Like, that's okay, but I really want to move some weight. And Brian's kind of the first person that kind of introduced me to uh, powerlifting, the big three movements, if you will, and, like, progressive overload, not just, like, every week going to max out. Um, It was a good time. Uh, So from Cardinal, um, you know, you started out there, and then we both worked for Orange Theory. You still do um, up in Wheaton, Illinois. And that is an awesome company right there. For me, they really taught me about kind of bringing a professionalism to an industry that is not as professional, uh, typically, I'd say. And I think Orange Theory has done an excellent job of, you know, bringing a professional, consistent, uh, fun, safe product to the masses. Uh, So talk to us a little bit about transitioning over from, you know, being a personal trainer to being a group fitness instructor, because it's a little bit different. Like, I feel like it's not, not entirely the same. You know, I I think, and I will say this also, I think having a good base as a personal trainer is going to make you a great group fitness instructor, not necessarily the case going the other way. So if you are, you know, young and maybe you're just like deciding, I'm like, you know, where should I start in the fitness industry? I would encourage you to train people in person. I don't think you can really like, like I learn more from training, like, in-person clients that I learned from my certifications that I learned from most of my trainings on, you know, different jobs that I worked at. Right. I mean, just like working with the human body is I think the best training that you can get. So I definitely, if you are someone out there listening, uh, you know, thinking about getting into the personal training industry or the fitness industry as a whole, don't start with online training. Don't start with group fitness training. I would just start off with one-on-one old school personal training. I don't know how you feel about that, but that's, 
definitely something that I think is key to success. Yeah, I cannot agree more. I think what volumes about your knowledge base and your delivery of your product is how well you know you know the human body, really. I mean, how well you know how to make a a certain body part move. How do you make this joint move, and what muscle activates this? So, a lot of that's going to be learned from, at least in my experience, a lot of it's going to be learned from your own experience. Um, for me, I like teaching people things based off of things I've learned because I've made, and I'm sure you can speak for yourself too. I'm sure we've both made tons of mistakes already. Found out what absolutely does not work. Oh yeah, and that's what you almost want to steer somebody away from. Like I already made the mistake for you. You don't have to do it. I'll I just go, my I'll body, just straight to I already it. broke my back. Yeah. I can't be like destroyed myself already. You don't have to go that route. Let me just right. get you right to it. Um, so learning one, learning a lot of one-on-one stuff will really help you to deliver a better product when you go into the group fitness. If you ever go into that, because um, the group industry, the group fitness industry, it's it's not slow paced whatsoever. It's fast. You're tending to. Uh, multiple heads at a time. Uh, in my case, for Orange Theory at our studio, I'm very fortunate that we get to work with, you know, uh, we were regularly working with uh, 30, 40 people at a time right. in, in an hour. So it's fast paced. I mean, you got to be light and quick off the line. You got to know your product. You got to be able to deliver it right away and not have too much of a hesitation on knowledge in between uh, if you really want to be able to stay sharper and, and I guess have more longevity into it. Yeah. And I think it like makes you stand out as a trainer in the group fitness space when you're able to, you know, instruct the class, keep that going and then stop over and talk to Bobby and, you know, give him some cues and pointers specific to Bobby without that really interrupting your like flow, so to speak. And I think the only way to do that is to have that prior knowledge already in your back pocket. So you see, you know, Bobby doing a squat wrong or something like that. And you're like, hey, man, like, let's do these quick little fixes. We'll fix it right up. And you move on and you're not like stopping. And like, you know, if you hadn't done that before, you might look at a squad and be like, oh, like, uh, that's not right, dude. You know what I mean? And then you got to go talk to them. For stop sure. Doing. This way, you already have that base. You can say, you know, all right, three, two, one, go over here. And then, hey, Bobby, real quick, let's uh, open up those hips. Try and sink those glutes all the way down the floor. Drive it up. You know what I mean? Like quick cues come to you and you're not. Yeah, cueing is everything. Yeah, the cueing stuff's everything. Um... And they say knowledge is power. So the, the more knowledge you have in, into what you're doing, the, the better it's going to be delivered and the better long-term result you're going to get Agreed. out of somebody. Even if it's – and like Nate and I had, um, from what I remember, what was that like? What was the last time you worked there? Was it 2016, somewhere in there? Like four years ago? Arnold or Orange Theory? Oh, uh, Orange Theory. Yeah, Orange Theory. I moved down here in 2016. So, so yeah, 2016 yeah, was my final year there. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Um, we I feel like because uh, of I remember everything feels extended. Like I feel like it's been like I feel like it's been like yeah. ten years. Uh, yeah, I feel like we've done like two years at this time. Yeah, um, but yeah, Nate and I remember. I don't remember Nate and I have a very similar coaching style when we were working there. Uh, yeah. We're tending to as many people as we can. We're very very keen on body mechanics because um, I think something really needs to be said about how you have to do something properly first then you can make your progression after that. Agreed. Because in this day and age, there's a lot of people, you know, overloading weight with improper technique and a lot of people that are trying to put these fancy challenges onto their exercises. But then when you get them to do a bare bones 
type of that exercise, a bare bones variation of that exercise, the basic form of it, you can't, they can't do it. And I think something needs to be said in this industry now, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of people doing a lot of crazy stuff and, and for, you know, for clout. Yeah, because yeah. they want to be right, able to like, put on a bunch of weight and get the acknowledgement for that. Yeah, I get that part. I completely get that part. But there's go, there's going to be a lot more longevity for you and for everybody, whoever's listening, if they just get it done the right way. I can't. I know that sounds like agree. it's such crummy advice to hear, but no, it's, it's, it's great advice. You got it. That's the truth. I, I mean, like that's not. It's not like about that. Yeah, there's a lot of people that just want to, you know, do things with no regard for technique and then they can get away with all these compensations for a certain movement and then it just becomes really slapped from there you're only teaching yourself to do it worse yeah what i'm saying and then you're gonna have to go back and relearn it i was just talking with somebody about that this morning it's funny you brought that up like uh you know one of our newer clients and i was just talking to them about how i'm like look like at the end of the day mastering the squat bench and deadlift which i and i think you would agree with me like definitely think everyone should be doing some iteration of a squat, a press and a deadlift. You know what I mean? I just think it's good movements for most people uh, across the board. And, you know, when I was explaining this person, I'm just like, look, like, you know, I think there's so many different modalities these days, so many different fitness things. Sorry about that. We got a little construction going on at my apartment. So if you hear that, that's a drill. Um, uh, But there's so many different training modalities and whatnot that are just super complicated in your face. And they're like, yeah, you know, we're going to have you stand on your head and then do a handstand pushups and that's going to help you build your shoulders. It's like, right. Or you could just take some dumbbells or if you're at home, you know, you can grab some soup cans or something like that and do a nice overhead press. And that's going to be a much safer alternative and more effective and fun fact. This is my favorite. Well, I can only do it right. If I have more weight, like I can't do it with the empty bar. Like, what? That makes no sense. Oh, you, know? no. you cannot do it with the empty <laughs> bar. You should not be adding weight. Like that's like one of my least like, oh, what's I put more weight on the bar? I could do it better. Like, no, that means you can't do it at all, yo. Like you yeah. need to master the empty bar or the lighter dumbbells first and then progress yourself, add a little bit more weight, or you know, use heavier dumbbells, whatnot. And I think that's definitely, yeah, something that me and you both agree on is like, you know, people sometimes <laughs> skip the basics. And it's like, yo, don't yeah. skip basics. Establish that base. Yeah. A lot of people are trying to make that jump from kindergarten to college right away. And like that's just not gonna happen in, in this in in a journey of progress. You've got to go through every single level first yep. before you make it up there. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, um, so I think that's a perfect way just to kind of uh, segue into talking a little bit about powerlifting. So how did you get started in powerlifting? And uh, when did you do your first meet? Uh, I started powerlifting came from, uh, I think right after we did a, you and I, uh, did a bodybuilding show. Um, I think we previously mentioned that in one of the episodes, but we did yeah. a bodybuilding show somewhere around like late 14, late 2014. And when we were done with that, I, we looked like, in the next show, I just, yeah, I, <laughs> that, that kind of left me, uh, it didn't leave me as fulfilled as I thought it would. So yeah. We finished it. We we worked really hard. We worked our butts off, and by the time we were done, it was rewarding in itself to finish it. But then that didn't roll over into another a new goal for me. I didn't know what I wanted to do after that, but I know I just started right. training. I just started like training myself. So after that show was over, I just started dabbling around with weight that was a little bit more challenging, 
can only move it a few more times. And then lo and behold, I started seeing myself getting stronger as I kept doing that over the next couple months. Right, right. And then, then it started to spark the interest of, I'm going to get a new piece of equipment. I'm going to get a new lever belt. Right. I'm going to get myself some new, lift, uh, some new platform shoes, some lifting shoes, uh, get a couple of wrist wraps, stick sleeves. And then next thing you know, I am entering full-blown powerlifting power about a year. Less than a year later, I was already in, and um, that's awesome. Yeah, that was like in. That, I basically just fell into it without anybody forcing me into it. I just fell in love with it. I loved the process of it, and this was when this was 2015. So powerlifting was around; it was obviously around, but it wasn't right. as popularized as it is now. Or if you pull up Instagram or Facebook, you'll probably see it pop up at some point under like a fitness. Yeah, I was gonna say like uh, things grown tremendously even in like the past I would say from like 2016 to now like the past four years it has exploded on the scene I would say yeah. compared to Absolutely. and actually we talked about that in another episode I really do think that that is somewhat attributed or needs to be attributed to the exposure that CrossFit gave the three big lifts and uh, snatch and clean and jerk for all ages and for everybody, you know what I mean? Like CrossFit, while some of the things I don't agree with, they definitely uh, created great exposure for the general public to understand what a squat, a bench, and a deadlift was, to understand what a clean jerk and a snatch was. That's something that they did. I think, personally, they 100% kind of boosted everyone up in that way, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, no, yeah, it wasn't I mean, as popular when you started. Yeah. I just found a way to piggyback over the CrossFit industry, in my opinion. Right. And now it is it is what it is now. It's a pretty popular product at this point. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I ended up doing my meet in 2015, uh, and then I haven't. I've been competing every year since, so um, I, I kind of like it. Yeah. <laughs> you could say it's all right. I like it. <laughs> I, say, yeah, I, I kind of enjoy it. For sure. Um, so. I kind of wanted to hop on here today and just talk a little bit about like how someone, and this is for the listeners out there, maybe you're interested in starting powerlifting, but you don't know where to start. Um, so I kind of want to talk about how does someone get started in the sport of powerlifting. Um, I think the number one thing is just to start. I think, you know, like we talked about earlier, squat, bench, and deadlift are pretty easy lifts to achieve like general proficiency at. You know what I mean? So a snatch and cleaner can sometimes literally take years to achieve general proficiency. A squat, bench, and deadlift, you can achieve, you know, pretty good proficiency with that lift. I would say most people within a few months. I don't know, you know, what your feelings are on that, but I would say they're pretty easy to, you know, achieve some sort of safe uh, proficiency at. And then from there, I I just think from there, you got to just start uh, pick a meet and start training towards it. I think people wait too long to sign up for their first meet. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, well, once I get this strong, you know, then I'm going to do this meet. Like, fun fact, there's always going to be people that are stronger than you, period. Yeah. That's something at every there's, single yeah, meet. There's, that I've for been, anybody listening, for anybody listening, there's no tryouts for the meet. Like, you just show up <laughs> yeah. and come as is. Exactly. <laughs> come as is, start. And the thing is, the sooner you start, like, the sooner you're going to be able to post your first total and, like, you know, you can continue on that journey. Um, so for me, like, I, I think 
I mean, obviously I'm a little biased because we do offer coaching, but I think hiring a coach is a really good idea, especially um, if you can find a powerlifting coach that has experience coaching other athletes or has experience competing uh, as well. I think that's really going to help you out. Um, I think that luckily for me, I've been surrounded by like you, uh, my buddy Gary, Tyler. I got a bunch of really wise, smart people surrounding me. So I'm able to like reach out and like, you know, even like everyone always says, like the coaches need a coach. Uh, I need like four. So <laughs> I don't know if that's because I'm not yeah. great or what, but you know, I reach out to all you guys and then, you know, my wife Liz as well helps me out with my programming. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a key. I don't know what you think about that, but I think that's a key thing starting out, find somebody who's knowledgeable, whether it's off Fortis or, you know, something else or reach out to Brian, find somebody who's knowledgeable uh, link up with them, at least like meet with them once or twice and kind of just pick their brain, um, and maybe get a better understanding of programming. But yeah, would you say, so would you recommend people just like randomly squat bench and deadlift every week, or do you recommend they follow a program moving into their first meet? Um, that's a good question, actually. Um, so the way that I know everyone's going to be different, but the way that I ended up rounding through it was that I looked up a program. Um, once I knew I was confident in the technique of most of the lifts, once I got a hold of all of that stuff, then I started entering in a program. And there's there's hundreds out there. So the best program, in my opinion, is the one that you stick with. And the one I stuck with got me through the entire thing. So I stuck to it. I made the adjustments. I made the I picked away at the numbers, the exercise selection based on what I deemed what I needed to work on. And if you're not really sure about where you, what you need to work on or what your weak points are, that's probably when you're going to need the coach. That's when they're going to have to come in handy. Um, for me, going into my first meet, I didn't have a coach because I literally did not know anybody that was powerlifting. I knew... Um, I was powerlifting at Cardinal. Was there? Or at least when I was, I was there. Like it was like me. Yeah, I was going to say, like, there was, I mean, there was a bunch of people that, like, did main list. And I remember, I don't remember this dude's name. Do you remember that strong man that came in in the morning, like, stupid early, like, 4 a.m. and would work out? Oh, yeah, yeah. You the, like, giant, the giant guy? Yeah, dude, he was huge. I remember, like, one time, one of my first memories of that place, uh, like, I'd only been employed there for, like, a month. And I was there early in the morning uh, getting ready for a session. And he's like, hey, man, uh, can, you come, can you come spot me? And I was like, sure and it's like he's doing incline bench with like 315 and i'm just at this point this he's is, just banging it yeah, out like this is when nate was like 160 pounds so for those of you that know me now like i was like way smaller and this guy's just like yeah can you give me a spot and i literally told him like yeah but uh i'm gonna let you know like if you drop this i think it's gonna kill us both. <laughs> i was like i don't know dude. And he's just like, he's like, oh, I'm good. And like, you know, he like repped it out for 10 or something. Like I thought that was going to be like yeah. max. He just takes 315 for 10. I was like, okay. And he was like the, he was a strong man, but I don't know, dude, anybody else there. I there was no real like power lifters. That, that guy's uh, that guy was, uh, I think his name was Rob. Yeah, Rob. That's what it was, dude. I can't remember, I can't remember his last name. He was huge. Um, I remember his name was Rob. He, basically, he looked like Brian Shaw's slightly younger brother. Yeah. But in like a hole in the wall gym. Yeah, and in like real life, which is way more like intimidating than like YouTube. I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, you're, like walking, like oh, but yeah, uh, I don't really think there was a like. I would say just 
overall, there was no real like competitive nature of lifting going on at Carbon no. Fitness. Uh, so, so no, I mean, basically you're saying there's nobody for you to reach out to. Um, and I don't there, think yeah, there wasn't a lot of that was as, uh, like as common then, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think online coaching was as, sure. uh, well polished. So we say, so now, you know, there's plenty of great services you can choose from, um, to hire an online coach back then. I don't think there really was, to be honest. There was, uh, the more prominent version of coaching was actually for bodybuilding where they'd give you like your nutrition, your, uh, your, your diet, they would give you, I guess, an exercise selection and you would do like your check-ins and stuff for your right. what, weekly or something weekly or monthly check-ins. So there was a lot of that. That was easy to find, but I had no idea that there was actually a online version of powerlifting coaching or even like strength training coaching. Cause I didn't know where to look. I honestly didn't even know where to look. I know, obviously, you can Google it now, but yeah, Google totally. <laughs> but um, uh, all I wanted to do was just move the weight. So yeah. I thought that if it was moving, I think I'd be okay. Uh, at that point, I had made one friend who, um, and the funniest story is that it was just the scariest looking person in the gym. It's a bald, angry looking man, giant beard, tattoos all over his arms. And he's sitting in the in, he's sitting on one of the benches that's near the squat rack. And for some reason, I had a flaw in one of my squats, one of these uh, one day some training squats. And there was a certain flaw that I needed to fix, and I couldn't do it. And I was getting really frustrated. So I wanted to look around and ask anybody. But keep in mind, the gym that we were training out of was a commercial gym, and it was a small commercial gym. Right. So the only guy I saw was this giant ape of a man sitting on a bench just looking at me with like the snarl on his face. I was like, oh shit, I have to ask this guy for help. <laughs> You're like, this is the guy. I was like, no, this is the guy who's going to just bury me in the ground. So he actually just, he actually came up to me and said, hey, try this when you squat. Long story short, fixed it, alleviated the problem. We hit it off from there. Uh, that guy's name is Mike. Uh, so Hopefully Mike can uh, listen to Mike. this. Shout out to you. Big Mike Seckler. Uh, so he Mike ended did, up. Dude, he came down and competed with us in Florida. Brian and him came down. Yeah. And we competed uh, about a year ago now, actually, last year. Yep. Super fun time. Um, and I was actually, I was planning on coming up and competing in the meet you just did this past weekend, which we'll talk about, uh, the Surge Power Meet. But due to all the COVID restrictions and whatnot, things going on, I just wasn't, wasn't really sure if that was the right move traveling. Um, but yeah. it out, I feel like things have kind of like loosened up a little bit, but whatever. Hindsight 2020. For sure. Um, yeah. So, so you started off with Mike and he, he helped you kind of like, or guide you to your first meet or was that after the first meet? Um, so he was there and he wouldn't, he didn't necessarily pick my numbers and stuff. I literally did everything by myself, but luckily before then he grabbed a bunch of our, our friends that were also interested in powerlifting so in that little tiny ass commercial gym we held a mock meet right so we did we did pretty much everything as close to a regular meet as possible um we obviously didn't do like the weigh-ins and shit like that but we did a we did our three attempts you'd have your warm-ups you'd have your three attempts we'd take a rest and stuff um there'd be spots we'd load up the weights for them and then we ended up doing a mock meet so long story short mike got me the exposure time that i needed to be in my first meet and by the time I actually signed up for my first meet, it was like 
late 2015, I went down to your neck of the woods. I went to um, I went to Florida for my first meet. It was a USAPL meet, and uh, I ended up finishing with like a 12, 12-20 total or something like that for being by myself. Flew out there by myself. Literally nobody out there. I just picked Florida because I wanted <laughs> I wanted to lift. I wanted to you like the sun. Yeah, hell yeah. So, um, yeah, he, he checked in with me on that. He didn't coach me through anything, but he definitely supported me. He gave me a lot, a lot of valuable information. So going back to what we were talking about earlier, I think it's really important to have a coach. So that way you don't get steered into the wrong direction on your own hand. Right. If you know somebody who has a good knowledge base, consult with them. Even just asking the questions or even just having conversations with them will help you to get on the right track early on. And that way you don't have to go through the crap that I had to do where I had to make tons of mistakes. And I, I mean, I still do every day. I have to make tons of mistakes to be able to learn what doesn't work versus having to do a little more trial and error, just going straight to what works a little bit better with a coach. Um, and that, that seems that's pretty much where I would advise people to go right out of the gates. If you're even just interested in just training powerlifting, not so much competing in it. Yeah, no, I'd agree hundred percent when you're working with a coach a huge benefit is going to be just that they've probably already done what you're trying to do. Um, and most likely if they're you know experienced, they've been doing it for a few years, they've probably already done themselves and they've done it with other people. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. hiring a coach that has experience coaching other people, I think is, you know, very, uh, very key as well. Um, quick plug Fortis online training. We offer coaching hey. for powerlifting meets. <laughs> Uh, we offer custom programming for pretty much any goal you can imagine. We can make it happen for you. And it's fully online, uh, contact-free and everything. We deliver our workouts through True Coach, which is an interactive app. Um, and if you're interested in that, shoot us a DM on Instagram. That'd probably be the easiest way. For us, Fitness Studio. Um, so that was, the, that, was the, that was the sponsor. Yeah, that was the sub-sponsor. Fortis online. Fortis online. <laughs> Uh, so let's go ahead and move into what do you, what should you expect? All right. If it, you sign up for your meet, you've been training and what should you expect going into meet day? All right. I know we got a bunch of listeners that are starting their powerlifting career, their journey. They just signed up for their first meet. Uh, we got a bunch of people at our gym that are competing in a meet coming up here on November 14th. So if you guys are listening and you're just getting ready to start, um, what would you say, Brian, like what, what should they be expecting going into their first powerlifting meet? Um, so I'll, I'll go into that. Are you in, are you in that meet? No, I'm going to be coach. Me and Liz oh. are both going to be coaching. Um, oh, okay. They're competing okay. December 5th. So the reason being that's okay. Spend time making sure everybody, we almost have 10 people competing that day. So make sure we are handling all them and they're getting the attention they deserve. And then, when we go compete in December, we can kind of like lock it in and focus on that. For sure. Okay. That makes, that makes sense. Cause I know you told me how to be. Um, so yeah, going to your first meet, um, expect nerves, just straight up expect nerves. You're going to be rattled. You're going to be uh, confused at what's going on. Um, there are actually the funniest thing is I looked up something online before we got to this. There are beginner meets out there. They're literally labeled beginners meets. Oh, really? So I know there are there are a good handful out there. Um, if anybody is in Illinois, there is an APF Illinois meet. 
So they actually have, it's called the beginners, the beginners meet. It's literally just called that. So they encourage a lot of people coming into their first or second meet to sign up for that because that way you don't get stuck with a guy in your flight who has like an 800 pound squat in wraps or you don't have right. the giant who is benching uh, 455 on his second attempt. You don't, you probably won't get put with those guys. If you do, that sucks. But um, <laughs> there's a lot less, a lot less, um, I guess, intimidation or a lot less intensity in those kinds of meets. There's a high energy environment and it's always going to be fun. And those are ones I would actually keep an eye out for. So if you can get a hold of those, start there just to get the nerves out of your system, expose yourself to how the judging works, how the flight order works, how the weigh-ins work. There's a lot of moving parts going into a meet. So, yeah. And I think uh, at least locally for the listeners that are like locally in Northwest Florida, uh, I think John and Amanda Micah with the USBA do an awesome job at um, kind of bringing in beginners and new people into their meets. They do have, uh, they don't have like a beginner specific meet, but I would say at all their meets, everyone that I've been to, they are super accepting of every single person. They help you out. If it's your first time, they're going to make sure that you're not lost um, or that you're just a little lost. You know what I mean? They're going to steer you in the right direction. They also do a great job at breaking up the flights. Um, so they like to go off what you're saying. Like usually they put you with, um, you know, people that are in your same weight class. Now, sometimes obviously depending on what weight class you're in, you might find somebody, you know, I'm squatting 400 and then the next dude's squatting 800. That just is what it is. But, um, at least they definitely make an attempt to like kind of put you where you're at a similar, you know, you're lifting a similar weight to the other people in your flight. And I think, you know, that that's super important that they do that. And that they also, like I said, they're super like welcoming to new people uh, because it is intimidating. I mean, straight up, you know what I mean? Like you're going and lifting with a ton of people watching you. You know what I mean? So like for a lot of, I mean, I'm weird as fuck. So like, I like it. I'm just like, yeah, like I like people watching me. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't like that. (laughs) But like most people like Liz and I don't know about you, but like most people that's like, I don't want to do that. Like, what are you talking about? Oh, like, no, dude, don't get me wrong. That, that stuff gets me going. That's yeah. me off. I, I love the adrenaline rush of when people are watching. Yeah, so yeah. So that's, yeah, I love, I love that shit. Yeah, so do I. That's, um, that's like my favorite part. But, but yeah, no, I think finding, like, like that's, a, that's a great, uh, that's a great, good advice. Just find a meet that's like, you know, really accepting beginners. Because there are meets out there, I mean, that are not like, for beginners, period, the end. And usually, but usually I feel like now they're labeled as such, at least like with some of those bigger meets, like you can't even get to some of these meets without having a certain total. You know what I mean? Like some of these bigger cash or cash prize, like crazy meets, like the showdown meets, stuff like that, they don't even let you in. So that kind of self, I mean, it kind of like prevents you from going into like something totally crazy where you're like, at your first meet, you're like, yeah, I'm going to finally bench. How the hell did I get here? <laughs> and then, like, John Hack rolls in and just smokes 570 or whatever, like, after you, you're like, yeah. <laughs> well, that's not good. Yeah. Who's this John uh, Hack guy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, oh, I will go back and say that uh, if anybody is running a, if anybody is entering a meet from Florida, John, you're a good guy. There you go. Hold up. We can't hear you for, we can't hear you. We lost you. Mm. 
Maybe try without the headphones real quick. We're experiencing a little technical difficulties. Hold on, folks. All right, and we're back. Sorry about that, you guys. We had a quick little technical difficulty there, um, but we are back in action. So what were you saying? Um, yeah, there. Um, the meet we did last year uh, when Mike and I met you guys for the Florida meet, they did a really good job. So if you are looking for a really well-run and seamless meet, um, see John out there. They did a hell of a job. Yeah, no, he does awesome. Um, and he also is the meet director for our meets. So Fortis usually try to host one meet a year. Um, this year we hosted two, we had one in December and then we had one just a little bit ago in June. And, um, you know, we work with John on both those and he is fantastic. Him and Amanda, uh, Micah, they run some flawless meets, super, super, uh, efficient. I would just say it's a good mm-hmm. word and professional. Oh yeah. Uh, so definitely oh, find yeah. a good quality run meet. Um, I would say how to do that. So if you're listening and you're not around, you know, the local area in Northwest Florida, or you're not around Brian up there in uh, Illinois, I would do a little bit of research. So if you're listening from afar, I'd, I'd do some research, maybe try and join some like local Facebook powerlifting groups or stuff like that and try and like get yeah. in the community. Cause powerlifting, there's generally some sort of little micro community that you can kind of interject into and learn from and maybe learn who hosts some good meets um wherever you're located um so so you're at your first meet and what would you say um is the most important gear so everybody's always you know like you start powerlifting and then all your friends have spd sleeves spd wrist wraps spd knee sleeves spd elbow sleeves uh or you know they got pioneer belts and all these things and you're just like starting out you're like man like that can all add up what should i get first uh what would you say is the first piece of equipment that somebody who's new to the sport should be purchasing oh i know it's kind of subjective but if you had to say what yeah what would be like i mean i'll go based off based off of what i got first i got my i got my love i got my belt first whether you have a prong belt or a lever belt I would say go belt, get the belt first. I mean, I'd agree. you're gonna have to get used to how that you're gonna have to get used to how that feels, anyways. Because if you're used to lifting without a belt and you slap that on, it's not gonna feel like a back massage. It's gonna feel a little. You're gonna feel some discomfort when you're wearing it. So you might as well just get used to that right away. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, getting the belt first, and plus, like that stabilizes the core. Uh, for people that don't know or are new to powerlifting, uh, using a belt is gonna allow you to press against that belt and then create a tremendous amount of intra-abdominal pressure. Uh, which is going to stabilize that spine. It's going to bring all of your lifts together. So if you're ever lifting and you feel kind of like disjointed, uh, throwing a belt on can really train, help train your mind, your mind muscle connection there uh, to, you know, use your core as a unit and as like a cylinder full of air. And, you know, you're filling your diaphragm out, you're squeezing your abs tight, creating a bunch of intra-abdominal pressure. Basically what's happening you're pressing out with your abs, then it's hitting your ab wall, coming back towards your spine and stabilizing that thing. And with a belt, that is going to just amplify the amount of stabilization that you get. So I think I'd agree with that. Belt is probably yeah. one of the most important things to buy. And since we're on that topic, can we have everybody just, can we just clarify for everybody that lifting belts aren't always there just to protect your back? <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, you're, how do you protect your back? I have my core. Yeah, lifting belt is a tool to amplify the power of your core. That's a good way to put it. It is not a back brace. 
If, uh, I think that's weird. Yeah. Like, there's so many people, like, that's exactly well, what it is. Doing left pull downs, let me put my belt on. Like, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> like, yeah, you can use that belt to amplify the core strength that you already have and, you know, create a safer, more stable environment for you to move those heavier weights. What you don't want to do is slap that thing on whenever your lower back hurts and be like, all right, I'm good to go. And meanwhile, yeah, it's not a band-aid. Yeah, it's certainly not a band-aid. If you do treat like if you do treat your belt like a band-aid, I mean that's gonna be an expensive ass band-aid. Yep. You're gonna break your back. Um, so most important gear, I'm kind of just laying on the belt. I'd agree with that. Um, other things you can get, you can get knee sleeves, um, wrist wraps, yeah. both those things can definitely help you out. Obviously, you're gonna want to make sure that you check with whatever federation you're competing in. So whether it's USAPL, USPA, APF, um, WRPF, whatever you're competing in, check their rule book because there are differences in between different federations. Um, there's certain gear that's banned in some federations that isn't in others. Um, yeah. Brian found that out this past weekend. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I should uh, share that story. So <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, tell me <laughs> about this past weekend. <laughs> So uh, I ended up getting to this meet and what Nate said is really important. You you have to do your due diligence on looking up the rule book for that said federation. Yeah, um, I obviously didn't because yeah, I <laughs> talked about on that one. I've done a USBA meet already. I know exactly what the rules are. I've hyper analyzed the, the book, but did I, I did not know that they updated it sometime this summer, which was like two, three months ago, they updated it and they banned a certain brand. So I go to the meet, uh, meets at eight o'clock for this meet. I did it this past Sunday. Roll in there, just chilling, got my stuff, and I'm completely locked in on what the meet director's saying. They go over all the rules, and I was like, "Cool, I'm, I'm good with everything." And then right before they dismiss us, this one announcement comes out of there from one of the uh, the judges, and she goes, "By the way, I forgot to tell you guys, you are not allowed to have anything that says metal on it." And I was like, "Okay, like, does that mean like?" I don't know if she meant metal as in the material metal. Yeah, yeah. And then she clarifies and goes, you cannot have anything that says the metal brand sports on it. That is banned from all powerlifting. And I look back in my bag and I was like, I grabbed my knee wraps and I, I use them for the squats. I grabbed the knee wraps and I unraveled them. And I was like, I'm pretty sure these are metal. They are. <laughs> so that sucked for me. Uh, Long story short, I ended up having to not use those, even though that's what I used in training, because I had no idea that they were banned from all of powerlifting. And by the time I, luckily I hit my friend up who we were talking about earlier, my buddy Mike, he saved the day. He lives five minutes away from the gym where the venue was at. And he drives his knee wraps over. He gives me his for the day. And the reason why that's really important that it's, it's not something like, it's not just like a, a running shoe where you're like, hey, you want to wear my shoes today? Here, you can have mine on. A knee wrap is something that you have to get used to using because all of them feel different. All of them rebound different. They all help you in a different way. Right. It's not like one of them does the same exact thing as the other. That's not the case at all. Some of them are, some of them are tighter. Some of them have a little bit more of a casting feel. Some of them are a little more springy at the bottom of a squat. They're all different. So it was really risky going into using my buddy's wraps, but we had no choice. Luckily, I put them on. I didn't have a, I didn't have a freaking choice. So I ended up slapping his on and I had to ditch the metal ones. And by the way, if you do have metal brand equipment, do your due diligence on what it, where it's allowed because I'm pretty positive 
I'm pretty that sure it's not allowed anywhere. I'm say. pretty sure it's. It, I'm pretty sure it's banned in the universe. Yep, <laughs> pretty sure they got blacklisted. If yeah, you're it's banned on Earth. Actually, you can Google it. Um, yeah. Talk about that, but you can go look at that and see why they got yeah. banned. Uh, but I yeah. like some reputable, good reputable companies to pick up gear from uh, for beginners, and that's something else I want to talk about real quick. Is I would uh, check out SPD. I think personally, they create the best knee sleeves which we will talk about the difference between sleeve and wraps in just a second. Um, I really like their new sleeves. Um, they have good wrist wraps as well on SVD. Uh, Pioneer makes the best belts. They're also coming out with their new um, adjustable. Oh, the half inch. Yeah, so the half bought, inch one, right? Yeah, we bought a bunch of those for the gym. Uh, oh, nice. nice. And then a bunch of our belts. So um, we got that, those adjustable levers coming in. That's super cool. Um, they also have a traditional uh, belt, like a prong belt. They call it the Pioneer Cut, which I think is also cool because, again, it's like half-inch increments. So I check out Pioneer for belts. And then um, I'd say Mark Bell creates some pretty good quality yeah. gear around the board. Um, he has He's the inventor of Slingshot, so he created that. It's a great tool to overload your bench and train your bench form. Um, he created the Hip Circle, which is a great tool for warming up. Um, he also has knee sleeves, wrist wraps. He's got, like, uh, knee wraps, everything. Um, everything. I think that's where I, that's actually where I started. So that one's got my vote of my vote of approval. Yeah, I would say any of those three companies are going to be safe. Um, powerlifting gear. I'll tell you this: some of those, like all those three companies, are the best of the best. So you will be paying the best of the best price. That being said, it's not much more than what you're going to find on Amazon. Even if it's double what you find on Amazon, you're never going to have to buy them again. Or like, it's going to you know it's going to take years to like wear through them. If you buy some, you know cheap wrist wraps or whatever, a couple things. One, they may not be approved at whatever federation you're in. That's, and yeah, two, that's the biggest thing. Likely going to fall apart. Um, so yeah. finding, you know, like I said, check out SBD, Pioneer, um, Mark Bell Slingshot, like all those are great brands and companies that create great equipment for powerlifters all over the world. Uh, real quick, let's touch on the difference between knee sleeves and knee wraps. We don't have anyone that competes in knee wraps at Fortis. Um, they, you know, we, there's some at the meets we go to, but not at Fortis. So kind of briefly explain like the difference. And then would you recommend someone starts out right into knee wraps or would you recommend they use knee sleeves for a little bit? Uh, talk about that a little bit. So um, when I recommend people start in knee wraps, the answer is hell no. <laughs> um, <laughs> I figured we'd 1000%, 1000% no, don't start yeah. there. It's just um, a more aggressive. Yeah, it's, it's not like a sleeve. So keep in mind, a knee sleeve is is going to help you to get a little bit of rebound. It's almost like having a rubber band behind your knee. Right. So it will help you to get up there. Does it help you to warm up faster? Oh, yeah. Um, can it help you to rebound out of a squat a little bit more, maybe squat with a little bit more comfort? Yes. Will it help you alleviate knee pain? And like if you have like arthritis or an old knee, a knee injury, is it going uh, to mask that pain? Yes, but maybe not too. So that's up to you. My thing is, if you can master using a, uh, doing a squat with no pain or at least minimal pain, then um, when we're uh, done with that, then you can move on and get to uh, knee sleeves. When you have the knee sleeves covered, then you can move on and then get to knee wraps if you ever want to get there. But um, knee sleeves are a good place to start once you get the hold of being able to just do it bare bones. Move the knee sleeves, and then if you really want to get competitive, maybe if you just want to push up bigger numbers, 
get into knee wraps. I'll tell you one thing now, though. Knee wraps are basically the exact opposite of a back massage. It hurts <laughs> very badly. It's so, very, it, it is extreme discomfort. Um, we're talking about your knee being strangled. You're only wearing it for like a minute or two at the time. Right, right. But it does help you to get the most rebound out of any kind of knee sleeve or knee wrap. It, knee wrap is going to get you the biggest rebound. It's going to help you to put the biggest numbers. Um, if you know how to use it properly, of course. Right, you're going to like just slap it on and then squat like 100 more pounds. Right. But for most people, if they can, you know, find someone that has experience and they can learn from them, they're going to get the most out of the knee wraps as compared to the knee sleeves. Yeah. But to be clear, yeah, very, start very with knee do not go buy knee wraps. They yeah, won't. 1,000% again. Yeah. 1,000% uh, don't so, Also, um, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about um, different, like, weight cuts and weight classes and whatnot. So I think a lot of people, like, you know, maybe they use powerlifting meets is also like, oh, I'm going to lose some weight and do this, you know, compete at this level or compete at this. Yeah. Um, and, well, I think that can be used sometimes for good. Um, generally, I think for your first meet, it's best to not cut anything. Um, it just gives you – it I'll takes one – yeah, just show up. Um, even if you sign up, most federations, at least the USPA, I don't know about the other ones, but if you just sign up for – uh, either one that you know you're going to be in, or even if you miss it, they'll still let you compete. I don't know if that's how it is in all federations, but it, at least in some of them, I know that if you sign up for, let's say, you know, 90 kilo class, and then you come in and you weigh, you know, 101 kilos, they're still going to let you compete. They're just going to put you in the 101 class. Um, so I really wouldn't recommend, and I'm sure you'd agree, like just starting out, I wouldn't worry about the weight classes. I'd sign up for one you're comfortable in and then train. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't even worry about cutting into weight either. Um, I know I sound like a hypocrite saying this, but I actually did have to do a small, small, small water cut for this last meet that I did. Um, I usually compete in the 75 kilo division. Um, I showed up right around 76 for the weigh-in oh. um, the morning the morning before. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so, yeah, you make your necessary adjustments. I don't recommend doing that. I did it because it means something to me to be able to get back into my weight and beat my old numbers, beat my old total numbers, um, which right. like that, that meant, so that's what, that's what it should mean to you is that if you want to do it at a certain weight or if you're on a higher level and you're doing it for cash prizes, cut weight. I mean, if I was going to win a thousand dollars at a powerlifting meet, I'll cut 20 pounds if you want to be too. <laughs> I'll cut to 60 keys. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. I, I don't care. Yeah. Um, I think it's a good way it's to not put worth, it. It's not, yeah, there's really, there's really very, few good reasons very 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 few good reasons to actually cut weight for it i recommend people just show up just show up as is. show up have fun and enjoy enjoy yeah, show up kick ass. that's it yeah and i think that's gonna i think people that do that are gonna have a lot longer like lifespan in powerlifting shall we say i think sometimes maybe people put so much pressure on themselves to do one meet and they do the one meet and then they're like burnt out after one meet <laughs> It's like, yo, yeah. like just do the one just to like see if you like it. Yeah. Like, like you said, there's no, there's no try on or anything. Just do it. Like, just no. give it a I mean, and, and, If you don't like it, great. Yeah. If you like it, then start putting more, you know, time and effort and money. Like, you know, the first beat, you show up, like you have like, you know, all these, all this gear and five different pairs of squat shoes, depending on what, you know, color you're feeling one day. And like you've invested all this into it. And then let's just say you don't like it. Well, then you're probably like, even if you had like a, a bad day, let's just say, right, you're going to have a negative view towards that meet. Let's just say yeah. you, you know, hire a coach, you're ready to go, you have a bad day, but you know what? You had fun, you had a good coach, 
uh, you had a good time, you're going to be back for another one. You know what I mean? I think sometimes yeah, people just like, make it up to this big thing. And then it's like, you know, maybe it doesn't meet exactly their expectations day one. And then it's like, oh, I'm done. Like, don't set crazy expectations for yourself your first meet. Just have fun with it. Get a group of yeah. friends. Grab a friend. Do it by yourself. Whatever you want to do. Um, but just try and go yeah. enjoy the day. Um, yeah, so, just get your feet wet. Just start somewhere, you know? Yeah, exactly. Just get started. I think that's the most important part. Uh, the last thing kind of that I want to talk about was uh, powerlifting just as a sport. Uh, what do you think is going well for the sport? What do you think could improve? And then, um, you know, what are we doing to improve slash grow the sport uh, as trainers? So, like, what do you think is going well um, for the sport in general, I guess? I think the uh, the sport's doing – I mean, like we talked about earlier, the sport's blowing up. I mean, in – the five years that I've been competing, it can, I think it's been explosive in, in how popular it is now. I mean, you're seeing shoes everywhere. You're seeing almost all the guys that show up in the gym wearing like powerlifting shoes now. They're wearing all kinds of gear now. Right. It's being, becoming very, very popularized now, which I love. But I would love to see this sport become more recognized on a, I guess, a more like a household level you flip on ESPN or like you flip on Fox sports and you see a powerlifting meet. Like that's the kind of stuff I want to see this turn into in the, in the very short run. I like, I really want to see that soon. I agree. Um, I think that's, that's like, doable. I think um, a couple things that I think to make that happen. Uh, I think number one, there needs to be some sort of unification of the federations. There's so many, I think that that's oh, what yeah, Carl yeah. thing does poorly is there's so many different federations and I think you have the top, in my opinion, the top two, you got the USPA, you got the USAPL, but then you have all these other federations. Some of them are good. Some of them are not so good. But the problem is, is that like it kind of, it, there's no, for the regular household consumer, like you said, they don't know what to watch. Oh, well, you know, I was watching this, you know, let's say SPF meet and maybe the squats are a little higher. And then I go watch this USA, USAPL meet and they're, you know, their ass why is that guy basically ass. sitting on the floor yeah exactly and they're like that's a red light you know what i mean so like there's such a big spectrum that like i think the general person is very hard for them to follow you know what i mean if you want to watch football yeah. you watch the nfl or i guess you watch college and that's it period you want to watch hockey, it, yeah nhl you want to watch uh you know baseball mlb like you have all those major things i think that's why those can thrive and i think that's why maybe powerlifting is a little bit slower to take off in that sense you know what i mean in the sense of like yep uh people watching it at their home because i think it's not fun you know what i mean like it's you have to know about it in order to for it to be cool you know what i mean so i knew you were competing that surge meet so i'm gonna watch that but i'm thinking it's cool if i had some friends over that had no clue they'd be like why the fuck are we watching people lift with no sound or yeah. you know what i mean like, yeah. like what is this uh why so, are people working out on tv yeah exactly and i think uh I think that powerlifting is really close to that. Um, I think, like you said, within the next few years, I think we'll see a good yeah. shift. I think people, some people's live streams are fire. Um, they got, you know, some of the some of the meets now have people commentating. They have the lifters' names, what they're lifting. Oh hell yeah! Information. Yeah, right there. that's it. Looks yeah, cool. that's what I want to see it turn into. Hell yeah! Same yeah. here. I think that because I mean, they do it for they do it for the strong the sport of strong man. And I was like, wait a minute, just because you guys have the world's largest person on the planet. Yeah. Like in Thor, like, why don't we get, why don't we get that same kind of, um, we don't get that same clout for 
guys like Taylor Atwood, guys like Ray Williams, uh, Larry, even like Larry Atwood Williams. Is. I don't wheel, like. Yeah, he's yeah. That guy's not a human being. Yeah, he's insane. He just totaled like 800 kilos recently uh, yeah. at 74 kilo body weight. I want to say. Yeah, Insa- insane. But yeah, it's like not less recognition from those major networks, ESPN, whatnot. Like you said, ESPN just started doing strongman. Um, and I think it would be cool, but I think, like I said, there's, you know, like strongman has one ish unified, like it's, you know, world's strongest man. That's like that circuit. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. powerlifting community. And I think that's something they can improve on personally is like, and I, I'm glad you brought that up. I didn't even forgot about that, but that is true. Is like, they need to like unify it. So that way, yeah. once you unify it, you can like go out and start making, you know, yeah. a little bit more of a production because at the end of the day, it needs to look good if people are going to, you know, if you want people to watch it, it needs to look good yeah. and it makes sense and people need to be able to relate to it. Um, yeah, so I know for us at least, something that we're trying to do is, as far as growing the sport, is we're trying to get as many people in and trying their first meet as possible. We encourage all of our barbell members to at least give it a shot once. Um, we have a great team of coaches at Fortis and we're able to really do a lot of the uh, – kind of keep a lot of the guesswork out of it for you. We do all the work for you. You just got to show up and lift the weights. We make sure you have the right gear. We make sure you have the right programming for your needs. And we make sure meet day that all your attempts and selections are already taken care of. So you're just showing up, lifting the weights, having fun. Um, that's something that we're trying to do is we do that for at no additional charge to any of our barbell clients. So if they're, you know, in our gym, they're already a part of our gym, then we'll prepare them for a meet. Um, no additional charge because we just want to try and get as many people into it as possible. Yep. And then we're also trying to put on meets. Obviously now with COVID stuff, it's a little bit different, but as far as the live stream, stay tuned for that. That's one of my goals for uh, next year's summer slam meet is to really have a quality live stream uh, that looks good, like visually um, offers information to you and we can like commentate on. I tried to do that this year, but I will just say, I got caught red-handed just with reopening the gym and all that. That was, and then trying to figure out Twitch. There's a lot that goes into Twitch. Yeah, so there's a lot. Those streamers, you know, like yeah. I I opened that up. I'm like, this will be easy. I'm like, oh, like there's a lot of stuff that I have to like. Design. Yeah, there's so much involved in that. I don't know how they did Twitch for our last meet. The meet this past yeah, week. Yeah, I look good. That's that's going to be definitely my goal is trying to create as user-friendly or consumer-friendly, I guess, of a viewing experience. So that way, when we were putting on our meets, if people aren't able to get there, they can flip it on their TV. Uh, you know, they can enjoy everything that we're enjoying there in person. Um, yeah. So, all right, man. Well, uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up for today. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast um, and sharing your story, how you got started with fitness and uh, talking with me about powerlifting and whatnot. I'm sure we'll do many more episodes. Uh, there's many different things uh, that we could sit and talk shop about. So I'm sure you'll be back uh, on the podcast in the future. Um, just a reminder, you guys, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Check out uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, we are also on Google Podcasts, like pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast. We're on there. Also, if you don't have any of those, and you live in the dark ages, no problem. I got you. Head to our website, fortisfitnessstudio.com, click the podcast link, and you can listen to it right from your web browser. So um, we're going to go ahead, like I said, wrap it up. Thank you so much for coming on, Brian. We appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, man. Stay warm. It's about to get cold up in yes, Chicago. Sir. 
All right, yep. dude. We will see you soon. Peace.